Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full or complete. Uh, one of the reasons for choosing for us together to go through the book of Philippians is because we have plenty of things out in our world to get us discouraged. Plenty of things to take the joy right out of our lives. However, when we start to understand what the Lord says about joy and how he wants to give us joy, even in the midst of adversity and trials, we can be encouraged. I did receive this over the Internet this week. Um, Max Lucado is going to, uh, has just written, his, I think, his 42nd book, and it's coming out soon, and uh, it's entitled Encouraging Word. Um, but he, he mentions this. He said, by some estimates, clinical depression is ten times more rampant now than it was a century ago. Now, we need to stop and think about it. We have a lot of new medications and things out there, but and a lot of new things that we can do, but there's no new thing under the sun we found out in Sunday school this morning. No new thing under the sun. That which is has been before. But it says, the World Health Organization forecasts that by the year 2020, depression will become the second leading cause of disease worldwide. Boy, that's not good news. It used to be even that older people were happier. People in their 60s and 70s generally scored higher in the area of contentment and appreciation of life. But that has changed. Age does not seem to bring the satisfaction that it once did. We've made advancements in everything from medicine to technology, yet 66% of us can't find an adequate reason to check yes on the questionnaire which says, are you happy today? I want us to be able to check yes that we're joyful today. Not just the word happy, but joyful. Remember Jesus said in that John 15 passage, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and your joy might be complete. In other words, Jesus was saying, I'm the one that can give you joy. And here, here's what I want you to remember even at the beginning here before we look at a lot of other things. If you know Jesus as your Savior, and you live in fellowship with him, it doesn't mean bad or difficult circumstances won't come along in your life, but it does mean that you go to him, you go to your God and say, Lord, I have a need at this time. I have a decision to make. Things have happened to me, and I need you in my life. In other words, your communication with God or Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is going to help you in order to move through the trials and the burdens of life. He will help you. He will. In fact, the, the apostle wrote later in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, oh, that's a powerful verse. It, sometimes it, these familiar verses, we just kind of run through them. But I can do all things. I can get through physical need. I can get through uh, emotional need. I can get through trials in life through Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. That's awesome to remember. In fact, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you. What things did he share? He shared about having 
fellowship with the Father and with the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire and it will be done for you. See, if you as a believer, when you go home during the week, get that Bible open and allow the word of God to minister to you, it's amazing. It's amazing the joy you can have, even though out here somewhere there's some circumstances that aren't so good. So please remember the open Bible. Uh, when you go home, if you say, you know, I haven't had my Bible open long, uh, lay it on your pillow. Lay it on your bed. Open it up. And let it be a reminder to you before you turn in tonight to go to sleep that you're going to look at the Word of God and become encouraged by the things that you read. John 15 is, is an awesome portion of Scripture. Now, last Sunday, we talked about the fact of the source of joy is available to us in a fallen world from the uh, chapter 1 in Philippians down through verse 10. And we talked about what joy is, Christian joy. Christian joy is essentially the enjoyment of God, or it's the enjoyment of your relationship with God the Son, Jesus Christ. He alone is the one who is able to take you through difficult trials, needs that come into your life. He wants to do it with you. Um, we looked at the biblical theology of joy, and this is a list. And you say, well, is a list from the Bible going to help me? I'll tell you what, it can help you a lot. <laughs> if you start sitting down and, and you start writing out what God says about joy, wow, powerful. Number one, joy is a gift from God. And we looked at Psalm 1611 where the psalmist said, Lord, in your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Well, right now, we live in the presence of the Lord. He's with you. He indwells you. The Holy Spirit lives within you as a believer. And wherever you go, the Holy Spirit is right there with you. God is right there with you. And so joy is certainly possible because you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. A couple more just briefly on the list. Joy comes to those who believe the gospel. Remember the words of the angel to the shepherds? Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born. Well, if ever there's a holiday that you can use to witness for the Lord, it's Christmas. People love Christmas. They love the gift giving. And then you can come along and say, do you know the real meaning of Christmas? God the Father in heaven sent his son. He was born of Mary. Born to die, pay for your sins. How awesome. Joy, of course, is produced by the Holy Spirit who lives within you. Um, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And as you're yielded to the Holy Spirit, as you recognize the fact that God's Holy Spirit who lives within you wants to guide you, he wants to help you in any given day, boy, it's amazing what the Lord will do as a result of our knowledge of that. Joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Furthermore, furthermore, joy is most fully experienced when you open the Word of God and use it in your life and experience. Jeremiah 15, 16, the prophet said, Your words were found and I ate them. I took them into my life. Your words are very important to me. And joy is deepened. Well, this one, wow. Joy is deepened through trials. In other words, 
If the Lord is allowing you to go through a trial because maybe a relationship in life, maybe something that's been taken away from you, maybe uh, someone's not treating you right, in the midst of that, you can go to your Lord and say, Lord, you're the Lord of life, and uh, I need you at this time. I'm going through trial. The apostle again said this, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, because you received the word, that is the word of God, in much tribulation with joy of the Holy Spirit. So think about it for just a minute. Think about a trial, something real difficult that you experienced recently or are experiencing. Does not the Lord want you to take that need and that concern and give it to him? It was the Apostle Peter who learned that. Peter said, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So one of the best things I can do, one of the best things you can do, is to um, go ahead and sit down and begin to write out the things that I'm very concerned about. Lord, I'm very concerned about this. This is at the top of my list. I need your help in that area. The point is, and this is the major idea that we're looking at when we get back into Philippians this morning, is that God uses adversity for our good and for his glory. I think I'm going to have you turn with me before we get back into Philippians to uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. I want you to notice these verbs. 1 Peter chapter 5. Because there isn't any one of us who doesn't go through trials and things sometimes we don't understand. We don't understand why God would allow this. Or don't we don't understand why God lets this come into our life and experience. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. Notice the verbs in this. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered for a while. See, we never say Christians won't suffer. Jesus said in the world you will have tribulation. But then he says, be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. He doesn't say, look, get really sad if trials come your way. Get really sad. Let it pull you down. Of course it doesn't say that. Notice he says, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while. Now look at these terms. Perfect you, that is bring to completion. Establish you. Strengthen you. And settle you. Each of those terms mean that God wants you to be standing strong as a believer. Now, sometimes you may say, well, you know, when trials are there, uh, I feel weak. Well, the Apostle Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. So you may be going through a time when there's a physical weakness in your life. There's another kind of weakness that you're facing. But the Lord says, I will give you strength. I will be with you in the midst of that. Now, there's two verses, if you go back to Philippians chapter 1, that we put our focus on, we'll talk a little bit about as we continue this morning. We're saying that God uses adversity for our good and for his glory. Look at 1.12. Philippians 1.12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. What happened to Paul? He was put in prison. He was locked up for uh, speaking of Jesus Christ, for saying Jesus Christ is the only Savior and the only Lord. 
and, and, and the, the Jewish leaders, they didn't want to hear that. And so they said, lock this man up. This man's, uh, this man's against Caesar. This man's against everybody. And he wasn't, of course. He uplifted the Lord Jesus Christ, and they put him in jail for that. So when he wrote this letter that you have in your hands this morning, he said, these things which have happened to me happen actually, and we're going to look at this in just a moment, for the furtherance of the gospel. In other words, God's work wasn't hindered by his going to jail for preaching the gospel. And then I want you to notice the other one, and we had this in the reading this morning as well. Verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, here we go again. Your prayers. Boy, don't underestimate them. Paul was saying because the Philippian believers were praying and other Christians in other parts of that uh, of the world at that time were praying for Paul, it was going to result in his deliverance from jail. So that he could go out and continue to preach the gospel. Another reminder for us of the power of prayer. So again, the fact is, God wants to use adversity, the very adversity that we don't understand. He wants to use adversity in our lives to cause us to grow spiritually. There's a verse in uh, James chapter 1. And it's one of those verses where people say, I don't know why God said that. I don't know why that's in there. Well, that's good that you, you say, I don't know why, but it, you look at it carefully. In fact, some of the verses that are a little bit hard to understand, look at them very carefully and see the context and see what the Holy Spirit's trying to communicate to you through the Word of God. James 1, 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Oh, boy, you know. Uh, just had an automobile accident, somebody says. And how can I be joyful about this? Well, you know, what we keep in mind is um, the Lord allowed it, right? If you belong to the Lord and you were involved in an automobile accident, the Lord allowed it. So you know what that means for you as a believer? That means that God's going to help you in that situation. No matter what the results of it are, God's going to help you. He's going to be with you so that you, in turn, can grow spiritually. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, because knowing this, that the trying of your faith produces perseverance. In other words, it's that I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing what God wants me to do. Yes, I'm in the midst of a trial, but you know the Lord is really helping me. What would really be neat if we could right now this morning uh, just go around the room and say, tell us about the last very difficult thing you experienced and how God worked in your life. I rather imagine there would be a communication like you've never heard before from people in this very room. You and I know that there are others, even though you may have experienced trials, there are others who have experienced deeper trials deeper hurts than perhaps you yourself have experienced. Difficult times can teach us perseverance. One of the things I want to mention as we uh, look at these verses in just a moment again is the fact that um, when we suffer or when we go through trials, sometimes we don't know why. We don't know the why. I put together a study that we had about two years ago on reasons why God allows suffering. And I can remember 
these, this is my list, by the way. I didn't get this from uh, some other writer. This is my list. And every time I would be reading the Bible and I'd find that the Lord would say, well, suffering happens because of this, I wrote it down. And so I have, actually, I have 13 reasons why God allows suffering. I'm going to just mention a few of them. First of all, Christians suffer because they're human. <laughs> Jesus said, in the world, you live in this world, you're going to have tribulation. John 16:33. Now, obviously, sometimes Christians suffer because of sin. Like Jonah and the whale. <laughs> it wasn't very comfortable for Jonah to be in the great fish but he was there because he's being disobedient to God God told him to go this way and he went that way and so where did he land he landed up in a fish and then he of course the Lord protected him and was with him sometimes Christians suffer because of sin and I've had people mention to me you know it is one of the reasons I'm having this trial now because of some sin or something in my life is that why I'm having the trial? We need to ask ourselves questions like that. It's good. Sometimes we suffer in order to keep us from sinning. And the Apostle Paul's the one who said, I had this thorn in the flesh, and I believe he had an eye problem. And he said, I sought the Lord three times that I would be healed from that thorn in the flesh. And the Lord spoke back to me and said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so if you want to communicate with the Lord when you're having trials, here's how you do it. You can say, Lord, um, I have this need in my life now. I don't understand it. But I remember, Lord, that you said, in fact, you told the Apostle Paul, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So pray back the word of God to the Lord himself and say, Lord, I don't feel strong now. I feel weak. But, Lord, I need your intervention in my life. It is amazing. It is absolutely amazing what the Lord will do. And there are 13 reasons why the Lord allows suffering. Now, quickly, I mentioned that I believe the, the key to the book of Philippians is found in chapter 2, verse 5, which says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to say, he was in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and came in the likeness of men. In other words, Jesus had a servant attitude. Jesus went to the cross for you and for me as well. Uh, Mark 10.45, Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom. A ransom? What was a ransom? A ransom was that money that was paid to release a slave from being a slave. Jesus paid the price for you and for me so that we do not have to be in slavery to sin. In fact, it says very clearly in Romans chapter 8, sin shall not have dominion over you. Wow. What do we do with verses like that? We say, Lord, uh, I'm struggling with something. Here's a sin in my life that shouldn't be there. Boy, it's amazing that you can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to help me to get that out of my life. There's some things in my life that shouldn't be there. But you said clearly in Romans chapter 8, sin shall not have dominion over you. And so we need to find that victory and that joy that comes through going to the Lord in prayer. Spiritual joy. 
Spiritual joy is not dependent upon circumstances. Spiritual joy comes from that deep abiding relationship which you have with the Lord Jesus Christ because we belong to him. We used to sing a song years ago. It went like this. For it is Jesus and me for each tomorrow, for every heartache, for every sorrow. I know that I can depend upon my newfound friend. So to the end, it's Jesus and me. He wants to help us in time of need. He really does. And these two verses that we pointed out this morning are very, very important. He says, so it has become evident to the whole palace guard. Verse 13 and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. In other words, the Roman soldiers who were guarding Paul, they knew that he was in there for telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, many of the Roman soldiers came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. What are we saying? We're saying that God can take some very adverse conditions, please remember this, and change them so that People come to faith in Christ. People are built up in the Lord, even at times when you are going through real trials in your own life and experience. That's the two major ideas in this part of the text of Scripture. That's the major ideas that is there. God wants us to remember he uses adversity for our good and for his glory. I'm with you. Sometimes the trials don't seem like they're going to work out for our good. In fact, I've had prayer with people who say, and I'm serious now, I can't see how any good can come out of this problem that I am facing. That's truth. They're saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm facing something that's very difficult, and I can't see how to, I'm going to repeat it, because you may think that sometimes. I can't see any good coming out of this problem that I have. Here's what you need to remember. We know the verse well. And we can say it glibly or we can say it with meaning. Romans 8:28. If you know it, say it with me. My God shall supply. I'm sorry. Romans 8. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Okay, that was a little weak. Let's try it one more time. <laughs> Well, I'm not, it's my fault. I started with another verse. Okay, together. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Boy, we need to remember that. Wow. Because you may think sometimes when things are very difficult, Apostle Paul was in prison. He couldn't go around and to the churches and spread the good news of Jesus. But while he was in prison, he was speaking to the Roman soldiers. He was chained to, and he told them about Jesus. And many of those in the uh, uh, many of those Roman soldiers came to faith in Christ, and they told others about Christ themselves. Let's go to prayer.